He's 50 million miles away from home. He thinks he's totally alone. He thinks we gave up on him. I mean, what does that do to a man psychologically? What the hell is he thinking right now? How come Aquaman can control whales? I mean, whales are mammals. Doesn't even make sense. Welcome to Disaster Artists, the show where we live through the apocalypse, so you don't have to. And I'm Shane. I'm Johnny. And we're here. Recording. We are. We are, <laughs> Shane. <laughs> I had something amazing to say and it just dropped out of my brain right at that second. It was because I said don't mention last week because we don't know what order the episodes are going to go up. And now it just makes for a really awkward <laughs> introduction. Cause, y- yeah, maybe. That's yeah. Although usually we don't talk about last week. so No, I was like in my head, I was, I was like thinking like, hello and welcome to our amazing podcast. But then I just... It just dropped out of my brain. I went, I'm Shane. <laughs> well, there was one where maybe it was the Hunger Games episode where you had a very, <laughs> I don't know, you got you had a really excitable introduction that was done well. Oh, yeah. But really just, ironically excited. It was our worst podcast for uh, listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this week we're covering The Martian. Yeah, yeah. Surviving on Mars. And So the first thing I want to talk about with that, right, is obviously what we normally do is we talk a little bit of the movie, the premises, or the premise, and then how we would survive in it. Yeah. When we get to that scenario, is it going to be both of us left behind on Mars? Or just one of us? Or is that going to be Mars? I was relevant? thinking about that too. No, I think it's both. Of course, it has to be both. It has to be both of us, yeah. We were both on the mission in, our, in an oversized astronaut suit. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go there again. <laughs> Maybe that's where we lost the audience last week. Or like the trench coat with his. no, we could just be two. No, the trench coat has been there since the first episode. Or was it? <laughs> yeah. If, well, the second episode, Thunderdome. Oh was... yeah, yeah. We started it with the two men enter. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, no, I guess one of us. You're okay. Maybe when we get well, we're talking about this scenario before we even get there. But I don't know. Yeah. It can be you're on your own, and I end up being. I no, know, no, it, I could, it could be both of us. That's cool. It's fine. It just means two people left behind rather than Yeah, one. but it's so much easier to survive and we'll get we'll talk about that when we get there actually. I know, yeah, no, I just uh, this is one of those things I thought of. So yeah, The Martian. Great film. Huge film that came out this year. Yeah. Um, based on a book, of course. That's Yeah, yeah. You've read the book, I haven't, is that? Yeah, yeah. I read the book but like it, like actually that's a funny thing. When I was I, I distinctly remember in your kitchen one night. We were having a few beers. I think it was probably after we recorded an episode of our other podcast. It's going about a year, year and a half ago. Oh, right, okay. And I was telling you about this idea I had for a really cool podcast we could oh, do. Oh, my God, I remember this. Yeah, only it was called, I think I, I wanted to call it Wasteland Survival Guide at that point or something. Yes, yeah. And and this is one of the first ones you wanted to do, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I was explaining, I was saying as the idea that we could do stuff like Mad Max, and then I was like, and I've been reading this book, The Martian, it's amazing, they'll probably make a movie out of it someday. Really, Scott will direct it, Matt Damon will be in it. I didn't guess no, that. No, no. And that's like something, we, you know, you could. that's about survival as well, that we could extend to stuff oh like God, that. I remember that so well, we were standing in the kitchen, and I was talking about, telling you all about like stuff I found out about Mars One and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, and, yeah. I think it was around the time the Irish guy had just been... He just came out of it. As a, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good word, term to explain it. Um, yeah, there was an Irish scientist in Trinity College in Dublin, and he was shortlisted down to, I think it was the final 200 or final 100 um, for Mars 1. Yeah. And once he got to that stage, they then basically 
told him loads of stuff in confidence that made him turn around and go, what? Yeah. I'm not doing this. Fuck this. So after he, he did a really good TED talk on it, an amazing TED talk. It's a really good watch, actually. Mm. Um, and he was recorded here in Dublin and he was doing it about um, like what life would be like on Mars and what he'd have to do and that he would possibly never, ever come home again and all this kind of stuff. And he'd have to come to terms with leaving his family and all that. It was brilliant. And he's talking about how they'd survive and grow their own food and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, yeah, it was when we ended up having that conversation, then he had come out on some news site basically saying that uh, Mars One lied <laughs> loads, that they don't yeah, have anywhere yeah. near the finance and the, none of the technologies anywhere near ready to launch, which they're claiming to do in 10 years' time. I think it's 2020 they're going for. 2024, 2020, 2024, I think, or 2025. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely mid-20s. Yeah, it was 10 years from <clears throat> about a year or two ago. So Yeah. Um, and but apparently that's already been extended now. Yeah, yeah. It's, but basically what they wanted to do was they were trying to make these shortlisted people famous to then go and get paid to be like interviewed and showcased on TV shows yeah. to pay for the mission. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, that they'd have to give like something like 80% of everything they earn to Mars One and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And he was like, I'm not doing that. And, then and was... he didn't think once he has he was an actual he's an astrophysicist himself and once he actually got to see some of their scientific plans and stuff he's like that's that's not gonna work that doesn't make sense as well so there's a bit, a bit of side of that as well yeah and it was even as far as their selection process he, he was saying that they didn't even have like like the they talked about the, the lens they were going to to, to, to oh, make yeah. this perfect selection and he was saying they didn't do that it was just about getting like they needed obviously they wanted well trained like people with fucking like, PhDs yeah but did it the the interviews were still done over Skype and stuff like that because oh, yeah, they, they didn't really care because they just wanted to make they they just wanted a good selection of people that they could like you said make celebrities yeah. out of and yeah like, yeah that's it they were looking for people who had good personalities who could sell mars one as a concept and because they essentially wanted to make big brother in space yeah but that's, that's the like, really funny thing when you actually see the amount of people that applied as if it was big brother like you know like yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> a hairdresser from south london and it's like they're look. they are still looking for scientists like, yeah. they want interesting <laughs> characters but like a south london hairdresser is not going to be one of the first people to land on mars no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know they they did do open submissions oh yeah, so yeah. What no, did they expect? yeah of course like, uh, um but anyway, sorry, it is relevant mentioning Mars 1 because it is one of the missions to go to Mars. The, our ambitions yeah, to go yeah. live in Mars and colonize Mars, which is essentially what the Martian ends up being about. And we had, in that same conversation, I think, Dennett, we forgot about the podcast, the original topic of conversation, as we always do, and that's why we ended up recording the podcast a year and a half later. Yeah. Um, and we just started <laughs> talking about whether we, we would apply for Mars 1. And That's what it was. Would you, I can't remember, like, what... Things have changed for you quite a bit since then, but well, I got married. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's kind of I love. It's the sort of thing I would totally go and do it for if you knew you could come back. Like, like oh, if it was a kind of thing of, you know, it's a five-year contract because it takes you what over a year to get there and over a year back, and then say you spend two years there. No, I think it's like six months. Oh, travel time sorry yeah it's i think it's a, you, you will spend a year traveling all together so your round right? trip is... round trip is like 580 days that's what it is sorry i was yeah, thinking yeah, it's yeah. 500 each way sorry um 
Yeah, it's something like 580 days. Or like, you know, a trip there and back. A trip there is, yeah, six months. Trip back is eight months because it's a different, you know. Yeah, and it depends it, on the orbit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And stuff so, like that, so. I'm sure there is points where it takes a year each way, like, to. Yeah, yeah. So potentially, if it's five years, the longest you're going to stay on the planet is about three years. It would do something like that. But at the moment, the technology doesn't exist to launch from the surface of Mars. Yeah, yeah. We can't transport a launch pad. Basically, we ha- we haven't created a remote launch pad <laughs> system. Yeah, yeah. Um, though it's the sort of thing if eventually, if there is a colony on Mars, then they could be keep be sending supplies and they could build a launch pad. That's the idea. Yeah, but it could be years before they could do it. Like a long, like twenty, thirty years before they'd have the facilities. I remember we were talking about this just when we were talking about Mars one at the time. Wouldn't it be really funny if they all went and after like whatever a year or two. Oh, we just, we just lost, not necessarily lost contact with them, but just the world just lost interest in them. <laughs> and you just sort of forget about, like, not necessarily forget about them, but basically well, the funding to, like, send them more supplies and stuff is just kind of dries up. Yeah, yeah. And they're obviously self-sufficient to a point in terms of farming and all that kind of stuff. So it could just be, like, 50, 60 years could go by and it's just this whole generation of humans on another planet that have real no connection yeah, yeah. to Earth. Well, what I, I was kind of thinking, of, like, like you take, like, especially Irish people are a really good example because we love uh, sort of hopping on a bandwagon, kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and getting behind something for a very short length of time. Like, yeah. when, a World Cup, when a World Cup comes around and if Ireland are, have qualified everybody even if we're just like in the first round yeah every everybody in ireland is all of a sudden like has supported a soccer team true and true okay take conor mcgregor like and he just won last saturday yeah yeah um 13 seconds that was amazing Uh, (laughs) i've i felt for aldo for that but like and everybody's really super behind him now and all of a sudden they're like they're the biggest ufc fans in the world half of them won't know what an armbar is but they're still (laughs) um (laughs) That's just because, like, he's fresh there, and, you know, this is his second, kind of his second title win, even, because he was an interim champion, but, yeah. chip. anyway, give it a year when he's, like, defended the belt a few times, or when he's lost the belt and won it back again. Yeah. Like, nobody will care anymore, apart from the people no, no. that were always fans, and it'll just kind of, to, to the people who were actually, like, out in the pubs during the weekend, they just yeah. won't even really, they'll be like, oh, they, they might not even know if he's still, if he's retired <laughs> or not, and that's how I think... Yeah, like we'd be with Mars that we'd get really behind it for the first year and then be yeah, a bit yeah. with, and like every now and again you'd be like oh what's the story with that and you'd go on you'd google it to see. did they ever come home like you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like in the same way I always remember when they first did Big Brother in the UK and it was huge I remember watching like watched so much of it it was a channel 4 here it was on in the UK, and yeah, they they, yeah. they launched a dedicated channel to it. Oh yeah, which was E4, so you could watch it. Like basically, the was channel cool. was Big Brother live the whole time, and then at for like two hours every night, they showed the highlights of the day, and that was usually most people watch the highlights. But if you were just had nothing to do, you could just flick to just watch these people just sitting around a house like reading books. <laughs> Absolutely, and people did. Yeah, and it, but it was such a huge phenomenon, and then after that. I would say, of whatever, say the 30 million people who watched Big Brother the first season, maybe 2 million people watched Big Brother from then on. Yeah. <laughs> like 2 yeah. million. Uh, I probably said 2 people. So <laughs> I meant 2 million. Because uh, I never watched it after that. <laughs> and then they tried things like Celebrity and all that. Kind of stuff. But it'll be like that for the first 
wild. It'll be this huge thing, and then it'll just just fizzle out. I yeah. think. You know, and uh, it'll be fascinating. Yeah. Well, I imagine it wouldn't fizzle out to some people, though. Like, I can imagine no. myself and yourself, will, it'll, it'll still be the type of thing that come up in conversation. I'll be waiting but... to log in and see the live feed, and it's just blood everywhere. <laughs> and just one guy standing there with, like, a wrench in his hand, just going, like, yeah. it's a red day! It's a red day! You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, shiny and crown! <laughs> this planet just got a lot redder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like nothing they can do about it so. but also I think what could happen is they'll go there and everything will be going really well and then yeah. a year into it NASA will, will lose all contact with them and they'll try everything yeah. and they'll they'll think like something happened something caved in in there yeah. and we'll all as a society we'll all just be like well we're never going back to Mars again and oh, yeah, that'll we'll be mor- it like, we'll mourn them yeah and we will, just, we will just never know what happened then there'll be missions to send like rovers there to see if they can find any traces but they'll never send people back yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and, and in about a hundred years they'll find a colony of like 70 people <laughs> inbred martians just <laughs> living in a cave or somewhere. like they, they found like the origin of the human species in a cave and they decided <laughs> that they that like and they found it and they created this utopian society and decided not to tell everybody on earth because we just ruined it <laughs> <laughs> Or that'd be they the didn't con- want to share. Yeah, yeah. Or that would be that would be the conspiracy theory. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> or they found that it was the monolith from uh, yeah. 2001. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they all turned into fetuses in uh, floating in orbit. Or yeah. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. What was it he was on Mars? He said it on our other podcast I was telling you about the Lincoln Penny on Mars. Oh, yeah. What's a cartoon you watch? In Adventure, Adventure Time, Time he, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. the president of Mars. Yeah, because I looked it up after. Because yeah, I just like that's obviously what they're referencing. Yeah. yeah. The uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, penny is used to calibrate the... I can't remember which which rover, but anyway, one of them. As a oh. reference point, uh, we talked oh, about yeah. it on, our, on another podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, the Martian. <laughs> the Martian. is on Mars. <laughs> that's a fact about <laughs> yeah so the Martian's a, a book written by Andy Weir and it was made into a film with Matt Damon by Ridley Scott actually just a bit of background I'm not sure exactly how this happened but like that book was written as like a blog originally yeah that's right uh, and he like from the point of view of the character and then done really well online and then he released it as an ebook, and then it became a real book. So based, it sold so well. But base, yeah, it was like 99 cent on Amazon as the ebook, and still became a bestseller in a physical book, even though like so many people would have already read it for free yeah. and for 99 cents. But I think it's great because it's a really, really good book. It was made into a really, really good film, and it's essentially got the same backstory as Fifty Shades of Grey. I know oh, that right, was yeah, like yeah. fan fiction, but the same type of thing. It was written as a free online thing. Oh, yeah, it evolved. Yeah, but so I, I like it because everybody lost so much faith in literature almost with what happened with Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, the same thing happened with The Martian, too. So, yeah, so here, here. Yeah, we're doing grand. Like <laughs> The universe is saved. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. We're yeah. good lad. Thanks, Andy. So I suppose we'll do a little quick synopsis or. Yeah, well, most people probably know, but yeah, you run into it. There. He gets left behind. There's a storm. His crew think he's killed. He's hit by debris. So they leave. And when they're like a couple of days away, then 
he finally eventually managed or he's, he's weeks actually I well, think before he managed to obviously he survives mm-hmm. gets back into the habitat and then has to figure out ways to survive because he knows how long it'll take for a mission to come back yeah yeah he's got four years until the return mission would, until the next mission will be come and he has food for like nine months or something I think it's <laughs> yeah six months and he can extend it to a year quite rationing two, yeah and then if he grows stuff he can yeah. go two years yeah he's got it laid yeah. out but. so he, he has to figure out a way to grow food and he has loads of loads of uh, he has potatoes so he grows potatoes and finds ways to make every, every day is a different challenge like he ends yeah. up using the rovers to communicate back with earth and he uh has to find ways to make water to water the potatoes yeah. and all sorts of stuff so like it's, it's written cool. like any of the like wilderness survival novels yeah, yeah it's but brilliant. it just happens to be this one set on Mars. yeah yeah um and it's, it's, his... a, it's a frontier story really isn't it like, yeah, yeah. not that we need to preface this at this point of the podcast but neither shane or i are have a history in botany or, or physics or no, no. anything or really engineering no. yeah yeah so um, so I have grown my own potatoes. <laughs> That's yeah. I, I was hoping you'd say that. Um, I've done. A, I do a lot of gardening, and I grow all my own veg and all that kind of stuff. So I'm into. I'd be the most amateur botanist in the world. Yeah, yeah, but way. still more than me. So like, I might yeah, have yeah. to hand this this entire podcast so <laughs> over to you. Uh, yeah, I've done a few little bits. Uh, have you ever seen? Before we get too far, have you ever seen Robinson Crusoe on Mars, the Charlton yeah, Heston movie with yeah, the monkey? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's like space sausages that grow on trees. And he cooks them. He tries them raw, and then he hallucinates, and then realizes, "Oh, I have to cook them." And, was, and there just happens to be breathable air on Mars. And everything. it's a mad movie from I think it's late sixties. We should do that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, it's just it's the only other reference I have to surviving in a similar way on Mars. If only Mark Watney had a uh, a monkey along with him, <laughs> it would have been so much more entertaining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Though I heard a thing recently, and it was uh, movies with monkeys in them actually perform worse than any I've other movies. Seen that. I think that was on. Was that on Weekly Planet? The podcast might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's where I heard I'm it. To, I just heard. It, I just heard it recently, and I just it's think just, it, it's, that's really funny. That's one of the few podcasts both of us listen to. So I just yeah, and I don't really it, think yeah. it is. I think they looked <laughs> it up on it and. Like, them, one of them thought it might have been a joke or something, and then they looked yeah, yeah. it up, and it turned out to be true. It might have been, yeah, it must have been that. I don't know. I just remember hearing it recently. Because I think, yeah, they were talking about why... Oh, I just said before this, we can't mention comic books anymore. I know. <laughs> but... We do, too, have. Um, it was some comic <laughs> book me. has... I think it was, like, Flash or Arrow. Is there oh, it was a Gorilla Grodd. Yeah, 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 and they are talking about why he wouldn't appear, because... Or maybe it was Planet of the Apes or something. It yeah, was definitely... Yeah. Anyway. But that's an interesting fact. Yeah. But potatoes have probably been my easiest and most successful things you can plant. They just keep growing. Yeah, well, they grow in all climates, don't they? They grow in nearly any climate. And they do really well in a mix of temperatures as well. So you you can even grow grow potatoes even this time of year when it's cold. um, Mm. As long as it doesn't get too frosty. If you just put like uh, some clotch, like kind of a fleecy material over them yeah, yeah over the ground and stop getting the ice getting de- too far into the ground you can grow potatoes like year round they'll just grow a bit slower and yeah because I, I remember writing a story and i remember looking it up a bit just i i didn't need to much research i just wanted i needed to know if it made sense that this guy could be growing potatoes during winter oh yeah and that's i didn't know until looking it up yeah once you have some kind of covering 
Um, it's just to stop the frost getting into the soil yeah, yeah, and damaging yeah. the, the roots or the core of the plant, uh, which is the potatoes. So, point. Yeah, so it does damage the plant. You see, I wasn't sure if it was because you just can't actually get the plant up from uh, once the ground's Well, hard, yeah, if the ha- ground is too hard, but you won't get very big potatoes yeah, because they yeah. can't move too much in the soil. And stuff like but those also actually damage the stem and stuff as well. Like it's yeah, not yeah. Just, okay. Um, like any plant. Yeah. And I guess, um, and he didn't have that problem on Mars, at least, because he was doing it indoors. Yeah, he did it in a sealed container. So, so I suppose that's a bit I know most about, so I suppose I'll just talk about that for a while. Um, with growing the potatoes, it's very easy to grow potatoes, and like that, they're perpetual, so you can... It's exactly what he does in the movie, is he picks the biggest ones for eating, and, and then replants. replants all the smaller ones um, for them to grow more and grow into mm. other plants and all that stuff. That's the idea. Um, and at some point in the movie, are we going to do spoilers? I suppose. Uh, yeah, because we've it's left. Hard to it, do this. this is why we've left it to like the films. It's, it's, it's probably four months now. It's yeah. coming out on DVD soon. Or yeah, yeah, soon. yeah. And basically, there's a isn't it? There's like a pressure difference or something. He ends up blowing off one of the hatches. Yeah, yeah. And his crop of potatoes get like instantly frozen and just destroyed because the temperatures on Mars are so drastic. Um, yeah. I meant to get numbers on this and I didn't. That's the um, terrible part about the, the book. Like, just through no fault of his own. Like, he, 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 shit he, goes yeah. wrong. <laughs> and it's heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. And, well, like. No, go on. Sorry, yeah. Well, like, one of the big things is, right, he's, he creates water using. Um, what was he? He mixes the gas from one of the fuels um, and then uses that to make water he uses the hydrogen basically, yeah, yeah and mixes it with oxygen and makes h2o that's exactly what it is it's the hydrogen and um he gets them to mix and create water and he basically creates almost like a rainforest atmosphere inside the habitat to have water the thing they don't go into too much in is once he created whatever say 500 gallons of water floating through this thing yeah he doesn't have to put in any more water because it's a sealed room that water will just constantly evaporate yeah and, rain down yeah f- feed the f- water the plants evaporate and it's just a continuous cycle mm. like a biodome which i have a research or a biosphere which i have yeah, research yeah. i'm gonna go into that a little bit later um does he talk about that in the fi- he, that, that's in the book where he is that I, I'm, I'm not sure if he says it in the film okay but anyway um yeah so once he creates that much water uh, that's it he doesn't have to do it again but then that's the problem is when the habitat seal blows mm. all the hot air that's in there is instantly sucked out by the pressure difference yeah and because the air surface is so cold did you get a number on me the uh, average temperature on mars is like minus 55 degrees celsius. celsius yeah um but that's an average but it ranges from minus 133 oh, okay. to, uh, to 27 degrees yeah, yeah yeah so depending where you are so, so it can i think it's just it so just fluctuates so much but yeah, more yeah. often than not it will be at around minus 55 oh, okay but it can fluctuate anywhere between 27 and minus 133 yeah which either like so it's just extremely yeah. <laughs> like but th- as they say like if you something on the surface isn't going to freeze because there's no atmospheric water mm-hmm. but because he has this habitat full of water it instantly just goes solid ice all the oxygen's pulled out. All the plants are just instantly killed. Just devastating his whole crop. Except for anything he's... like, But he's harvested hundreds of potatoes already at this stage, hasn't he? Yeah, and he yeah. has them in storage containers and stuff. So he has enough food for a while, but not as long as he'd hoped. And he has to... Ra- no, well, he has to ration everything now. Yeah, even more so. Yeah. And 
one of the things he was able to grow the potatoes from using Martian soil, which would have a lot of minerals in it, which would be actually really good for the potatoes. Mm. Uh, that's one of the cool things. If you're growing veg, um, it's really hard to get here for some reason, but it's it's very common to get in like garden stores in America and that kind of stuff. Um, I think we just call it something different here, and I haven't found a good, cheap alternative yet, is rock dust, which is essentially ground-up rocks, and it's full of minerals, calciums, and that kind of stuff. Okay. And if you mix it into your soil, um, that's where you get, like, giant melons and giant um, pumpkins and all that kind of stuff. It's just so nutrient-rich that the, okay. the plants grow really big, uh, the fruits do. And on... In the Martian, he has the Martian soil, which is just pure rock dust. <laughs> yeah. And then the, he needs a bit of fertilizer to get it going, and he uses his own uh, petrified shit from the... Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember. They have the toilet, so all their, all their shit is, like, vacuum-sealed uh, in these little pouches. So he has to open all those pouches and uses that to make fertilizer. So there's other nutrients. and um, There's bacteria, live bacteria in that, which will help grow and fertilize. So he probably would have gotten a really good crop of potatoes. Um. And I did a little bit of this thing. One of the things with um, Mars is their gravity is very different to ours. Mm. I, uh, there. <laughs> the Martian <laughs> people's gravity is really... Sorry. The gra- gravity on Mars is, I think it's f- 38 to 40% what it is here. Yeah, um, I won't be... I'm, I, I, no, yeah, I, it's around that. I, 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 I thought think, it was a bit less, but I'm no, kind of guessing too. I think it's so. 38% what our gravity is. So it's a lot lighter. And first thing I was thinking is, and I watched I watched loads of stuff over the last because I knew we were going to be in this about like scientists going like comparing the real science of the Martian. Yeah. And yeah. what's his name? Uh, Tyson. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He did a big thing of like, oh, he liked it because a lot of the science is true and stuff. And obviously, one of the big ones is the wind speeds that you wouldn't have gotten a storm like that. Yeah, but you need but to. The you movie, need it can't yeah. actually exist no. without that. And I saw an interview with um, Andy Weir and he was saying that was the only thing he cheated on because he wanted it to be a story of man versus nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, so he wanted to start the story with nature fucking him over. Yeah, <laughs> Basically. yeah. Basically. Um, but I, I looked into it like a little bit of what NASA have done with growing plants Yeah. in space. Because without gravity, can a plant grow? Or like the first thing I thought of, oh, if it's only 40%, I think it's 38, 40% of our gravity would the plants grow really, like, really tall and would they be totally yeah, different? Yeah. And so a couple of things where they've grown flowers and stuff in space um, and botanists and scientists have always thought that plants grow exactly the way they do because of Earth's gravity. Um, but a research team from the University of Florida in Gainesville, they um, they sent up these plants to the International Space Station and once the uh, seed or they plant put sent seeds up to be germinated and grown in like little chambers almost like a miniature uh biosphere yeah pretty much like mark watney does in the film yeah yeah and they the plants in that they grew roots went down away from the seeds and the plants came up even though they're completely weightless never mind 40 percent gravity um and they figured it was just about the plants uh seeking out nutrients and that's just how they naturally uh, orientate themselves of a quote here from uh it was was anna lisa paul who's with the university of florida and she says 
uh, features of plant growth we thought were a result of gravity acting on plant cells and organs do not actually require gravity. Uh, there's really no in, in, uh, impediment. Uh, there's no impediment to growing plants in microgravity, such as on long-term missions to Mars, or in reduced gravity environments, such as specialized greenhouses on Mars or the Moon. Okay, because I thought yeah. I thought it would have been a huge thing. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I didn't think. You know what? I, were, I thought you'd get mad, like plants would grow in kind of mad directions. They wouldn't necessarily come up straight. They'd nearly grow like an ivy along the mm. ground or something. But apparently not. So. Well, I've always thought about now, and and you're the you're the gardener. You know more about this, and I'm not an astronaut either. But <laughs> <laughs> really, when uh, like because a lot of time when you hear about trying to replicate sort of. You know, like ge- uh, genetically modified plants, yeah, and like like growing a tomato in a lab as opposed to growing it in the dirt, yeah. Like one, of the, like it'll always have the same nutrients and everything. It'll have everything it will have when you grow it in the dirt, but when you grow a plant in the dirt or even in a greenhouse, well, maybe not in a greenhouse. Apparently, when you, when something grows through the dirt or grows in the wild, it's a uh, battling. It has to grow with insects laying eggs in it. Yeah. And just and slugs eating it. That the strongest plants are the ones that survive because they're the ones that have to battle nature. Yeah. So when you grow something in a lab, it just won't be as strong. It's not you're not getting the strongest organism. Like the same as humans, like evolving. It's, it's, to, yeah, it's the strongest survival of the fittest. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, like I always wondered, like when they their plans to colonize Mars, would it be within the realm of a po- uh, possibility to actually like bring? insects like actually try and replicate the growing the way you would grow crops on earth to actually because you know you'd imagine having that doesn't make it doesn't make a difference to us on earth really whether it comes from whether it's in a greenhouse a lab or from the dirt because we get enough anyway but on mars i wonder like would that be beneficial to have something that can actually that has to battle you know um i would say yes because i know for a fact that there's just so many but even like the big thing that he has a challenge with on Mars is he needs bacteria in the soil and none exists in the Martian soil. So that's where the um the human waste comes in as a factor to help yeah, them yeah. create that is that bacteria. They need that bacterial culture to be there to help um create an atmosphere. Yeah. Like yeah, for yeah. the plants to grow and that kind of stuff. So, um and then as I was saying, all the rock dust would actually be hugely beneficial all the nutrients and minerals yeah, yeah, yeah. would actually you'd be able to draw them out then out of the soil um but the thing with insects i know it was again it, i was doing research into the mars one mission and it got me really interested it's funny i was thinking about this recently because i i was writing i was writing a story and i was thinking of someone on a spaceship and would they be able to actually grow their food on a spaceship and how they do it and what would be your food of the future and stuff and I, I watched loads of these programs about um, people eating insects yeah, yeah, yeah and apparently one of the original plans for the, the Mars 1 mission is that the in the habitats that every habitat would have a kind of a living area a lab and then at the end of that is a botanics section where they grow food with insects to also be food but so it would be a little bio system where the insects would live off the food the so, plants so if you think of it you're growing say potatoes yeah you would have insects like say crickets uh, which are really high in protein um and they would eat the leaves 
and the stalks and then you're eating the potato yeah, right? yeah. and then you can also eat the crickets because they're high in protein and yeah, that's yeah, kind of, yeah so this, this was kind of the, the idea of creating this kind of um i suppose a symbiosis between the plants and the soil and uh and then you're getting food from everything you know so you get the most out of the whole lot uh so in that sense i think the insects would be definitely beneficial uh, yeah, but i know yeah. you were saying for the competing kind of thing yeah i'm not yeah. too sure i don't know that much about it well do you know is there any like just with just with gardening is there is there any theories that you know growing something in your backyard in the dirt it's going to be str- a stronger plant than growing it in a greenhouse or grow, you know growing it somewhere where it's not fighting against the uh, elements it depends on the plant and what you're growing i think yeah, yeah. like cer- certain things you just just don't grow that well in a greenhouse yeah. especially stuff that's just a bit heartier and stuff like because the greenhouse can then be almost too warm for certain things mm. and so that um like t- typically in irish in ireland in ireland i have a small greenhouse and i would grow i would germinate all my seeds in it mm. and then i do what's called hardening them off where you uh for about a week once your seedlings are at a certain size that you want to transplant them out into your beds you put them out during the day yeah. and then put them back in at night and you do that for about a week and they just get more, they get used to, it's almost like you're weaning them off living in the greenhouse Yeah, yeah and okay. then you put them into the soil and that kind of stuff and then that way they're stronger um, and you have more success and the reason I, I germinate them all in the greenhouse and that kind of stuff is I have a more success rate of, so if I plant 20 seeds of say um, beans or something. Yeah, yeah probably about 18 to 19 of them are going to germinate and grow into seedlings where if i plant 20 seeds in the ground in the back garden i might get 10 or 12 okay. will grow yeah because yeah. there's more insects are going to eat them because i'm using purified compost in the greenhouse now loads of bugs get into the greenhouse and all that kind of stuff it's fine but there's a lot more and then just weather conditions as well and stuff like that. Like they'd be drier days and rainier days and stuff gets waterlogged and all that kind of stuff. So you're constantly battling nature in that way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so just for a more success rate, I kind of do both where I start off in the greenhouse and then transplant out. And then if I grow something like tomatoes, because Ireland is generally a lot colder than other countries, you leave them in the greenhouse the whole time. Yeah. Um, and I started doing the last two years because the tomato plants got too big for my greenhouse because it's only a bit small, tiny, like it's literally a, like it's a meter depth and two meters tall. So I can stand in it and do stuff, mm-hmm. but that's it. <laughs> There's not very little shelf space in it. So it's good for doing all the seedlings, but I, when I'm putting tomatoes in it, keeping them, growing them, they uh, they just took too, too much space. And it happens that my mum and dad's garden is this like sun trap. And they have a south-facing garden and, they, the garden and they just get like the strongest sun all day. Yeah. And the last two years, I brought out all the tomato seedlings, <laughs> yeah. planted them in tubs along the wall that gets the most sun in their house. And they've just gotten this huge crop of tomatoes that I could never get in the greenhouse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well, let me ask you, now this might be really dumb, but right. So say what the with potatoes. Yeah. Um. Because you know, they will have the same battling of the elements if you yeah, grow yeah. them outside. So say right, you grow uh, a field of potatoes, and you do like Mark does in the marsh, and you take the big ones that can be out, and you replant yeah, the yeah. old ones, where are the small ones? Them acting as seeds, will they actually do better now that they've kind of all been, they've already been through the process? If you know what um, I mean? Yeah, it's almost like they're better suited for that environment. Yeah, yeah. Like, will does the seed? 
like even with a tomato, the tomato that survives, the tomato that survives the elements and grows, yeah. is it seeds therefore stronger than one you would grow in a greenhouse or grow in a lab? Um, I would like to think so. Yeah, because that's kind of what. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm, I'm, it's, I, I, I think that's the case anyway. From what I had. Yeah, well, you get put, seeds like when you're buying seeds, you get ones, and they have like specific names in them. It's like this F1 is a big kind of name in seeds, and it's basically a generation of seeds that have been refined refined through cross pollination that will give you they'll survive the best weather conditions they'll give you a tastier plant mm. specifically with like say tomatoes or something like that you'll get a really nice tasty juicy tomato and it's not um they're not uh what you call it they're not gm yeah or anything yeah. like that they're not like planned in a lab and all that kind of stuff they're actually just People going, oh, look, this type of tomato is really good in the rainforest kind of conditions. and But it tastes quite bland. And then this one who that grows in South England really well is really juicy. So they crossbreed them and then you get a plant that will grow really well in like France, say. So it's in between the two environments and it's really juicy and tasty. Yeah, yeah. So and that's what they'll kinda of do. So it's cross pollination on it. So just to point out something that still technically is a genetically modified Technically. Well yeah. technically is in people yeah, are yeah. very scared of GMOs, but yeah, most yeah. of the time most when you hear about GMO that is what they're doing yeah because all these you always have these people are like oh I don't eat GMOs and it's like if you've ever ate a burger or beef that came from anything other than like an orac you've eaten a genetically modified organism because cows are modified well it's like a dog's used to be wolves now they're chihuahuas yeah 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 but because I guess, like you know, with this the, the podcast about how weeds survive, it, so I guess in this scenario, because I'm not a botanist, so if the scenario for some reason I'm the one on Mars, I wouldn't actually have a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> but because I think that having insects <laughs> helps the growth, oh, I would yeah. try and find a way to do that. Uh, uh, <laughs> fair enough. That's a good question. If you were on, obviously, so you okay? Neither of us are huge academically inclined people. In that kind of sense. You know, um, how dare you? <laughs> I was ne- I was always more the creative side of things. I like for working on my hands and so that. And the, you know, I'm not I'm not the sort of person who could sit and do an exam and was really yeah, good in yeah, science. No, and, I, was like, never good I was always fascinated by science. I love science, but when it came to actually studying it and doing exams, I was terrible. <laughs> yeah, like I was very fond of people like sitting me down and explaining science stuff to me. Yeah, and I just yeah. wasn't very fond of them being handed a paper and told to say back what they had told me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> because it. I was, I used to though... sit in class going, "Wow," <laughs> and then and then you'd, they'd give you a test, and I'd get like a D minus. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'd still actually because there's it's funny because I have an idea in my head about how most of that most of the world works in terms yeah, of yeah yeah but like i can't there is no possible way i could sit down and explain it to people <laughs> like, no no yeah no gene. so okay if that shortcoming as it were didn't exist you would so we've gotten to mars i know the scenario for us because we we have to as be an astronaut what are you trained in well that is basically it. what i'm saying i'd probably be inclined because of i love growing food and stuff maybe i would go the botany route um, or maybe geology or something. I was always fascinated by geology when I was younger, but then I never was science enough. It's one of those things I've always said. If I was more academically inclined and sciencey, I probably would have gone and studied something like geology in college see, rather than film so your and question, photography. So your question is like, if we were academically inclined, which 
which route would we have pursued that would leave us, so you're on that would mission, lead us to be on Mars? Yeah, so you're on the mission on Mars. Are you an engineer? Are you a physicist? Are you a um, botanist? Are you a medical doctor? You know what I mean? That's. I think if if I was able to pursue one of those paths, I think I would probably be then there as an engineer. Yeah. But I think we, we, we can't even go into that scenario because we don't have the ground. <laughs> I think for the scenario for how we survived the Martian is Mars One has contacted us and been like, Shane, Johnny, you record a really good podcast about, on Mars. Sur- about survival. Will you join the Mars One team and record a podcast? And <laughs> something goes wrong on Mars and when they're all evacuating, they're like, what about Shane and Johnny? And they're like, oh. Like they're not even no, they're not even part of the mission. Like they're just two guys who talk. Like and... yeah, and so they leave us behind, even though they didn't need to. It's not even like they thought we were dead. <laughs> they were just like, but I've already locked. I've already locked up. We were in the middle of recording a podcast, and they didn't want to erupt. Yeah, while the they were evacuating the on air sign is all is <laughs> yeah. on, and we've been over our habitat. <laughs> our podcast that like gets to art like, days after. Uh, well, it'll be like half an hour later if you're sending oh, well, it to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'd still probably be quicker than how we actually put yeah, up our that's podcast. True. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, uh, but I think that's a scenario that works because, like, we won't be there yeah, for yeah, any other reason. It's a very silly one. I know. I just like as well the entire plot of the Martian is about like getting Matt Damon back. I don't know if they'd do the same for us. <laughs> does anyone care enough to try yeah. and get us back actually that's what I heard um, it's a really good idea that when they were looking at casting Mark in the film oh yeah because the, the whole book is like everybody kind of gets together they want to get him home yeah and when they were casting they wanted they looked at all uh, they had like a list of actors and the criteria they had is like what actor would you if want they to were stuck home? on Mars, would the entire world be like, oh, well, we have to try and get him back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Matt Damon was the one. And it's really because, like, yeah, I can see that. Like, Matt Damon's one of the actors that I wouldn't yeah. like him to be stuck on Mars by himself. If yeah, it was just... Ben Affleck, I'd be like, I like Ben Affleck. But, I mean, don't put too much resources into it. <laughs> yeah. Tom Hanks, I'd like, I definitely wouldn't like him to be stuck. Although he had a good role. He's an older man. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no, I would want Affleck back. He makes good films. For selfish reasons. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But I think that's a really good, that's a really good way to get Who would you want to, who would you go through the effort of trying to bring home? Yeah. So what you're saying is nobody would go through the effort of bringing us home? No. No. So we're fucked anyway. Well, apart from our, like, (laughs) direct family, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, Well, I don't want to speak for you. I'm, like... Yeah. But I think as a... Us as a double act, <laughs> like not so much. <laughs> My wife would be like, "Can we bring Shane home and leave Johnny behind?" <laughs> yeah, it's even though, like if you're doing a mission, you might as well. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, you know, it's going to cost an extra two billion to bring both, both of them, them. but it costs like forty billion either way. Yeah, yeah, forty-two for both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's uh, they're just like." Yeah, okay, we just bring one of his home, so it's two billion we could save on a... Yeah. <laughs> no, not quite. But yeah, he comes across loads of different Star Rival scenarios on... Yeah, that yeah. he has to do, like... It's funny how the growing, the growing of the crops is, crops is really To me, that was just out. so That's vital. What, yeah. yeah, yeah. And one of the things, like, during my research into this, um, I was actually looking at the... 
what have because that was the one thing I thought about with they're sending a mission like that tomorrow it's like how long was their mission meant to be it was only meant to be like two three months or something they were supposed to be there I can't remember they, they left early they left yeah, early yeah. like I think they left on like I think day 20 like, or something wasn't it yeah I think it was like a six month thing now I'm going yeah. it might not I'm I'm going by the book anyway I think it's six yeah. I could be way off on that but I just remember it's as far as I remember months. I think it's only about day 20 when the storm hits and they leave. yeah it's definitely yeah it's really early, early on, on. yeah uh, so he has the advantage of he has all this food that's supposed to be for was it six people and he's one man by himself so he can survive longer than they were supposed to and yeah all yeah. that kind of stuff so but if you, they were sending a oh, mission you know what actually that's because it's done in Saul so it, it was actually yeah. the mission it was it's eight they're 18 days into 31 a 31 Saul or 18 Sauls into a 31 Saul mission Oh, of where okay. I'm getting the six months from is because with all, because now that the other astronauts are gone, with all their supplies, he can yeah. he can survive for six months. On that's why I had six months in my head. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. So they're only going to be there for thirty days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, or, okay, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. Or I, well, like maybe thirty. Sol is what like forty minutes more. If I think there's four. Yeah, it's like twenty four point yeah. seven hours or something mad, like some mad number. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't. Yeah. I think there's about 40 minutes in the difference. I'm not sure. Okay, yeah. I'll look it up. And I know signals traveling faster than the speed of light from Earth to Mars can take anywhere. Like when they're c- controlling the rovers, the delay is between 4 and 24 minutes, depending on which way the planet is facing. It's exactly 40 minutes of a difference. Oh, there you go. Good call. Yeah. Sorry, and I just interrupted as to answer. No, that. no, I was talking about it on the same lines of like the the, the communication delay is up to about twenty four minutes. Yeah, yeah. Again, it depends which way they're rotating and stuff. Because that's actually one of the um, big sort of thinking points about in the troubles of colonizing Mars is actually yeah. the forty the forty minute difference in the day. Because it sounds like it would be nothing, but over it, time you go yeah. through the sink. Yeah, and you just have forty minutes added to your day. It's a very because there's parts of the world that like even you kind of have a people that you know you you've lived here all your life and then you move somewhere closer to the equator and all oh, yeah. of a sudden there's you know even winters aren't as dark and stuff. It kind of it messes with people a little. Yeah, yeah. Well, particularly when they move back. Actually, my cousin he's just moved back in the last. He, he was living in China, and. There was one there at the weekend, he, you know, because we were drunk. Um, <laughs> he woke up at dark, like slept until four. And he was saying like he's done that plenty in the last like 10, 20 years where he's, you know, gotten up at four o'clock after a really crazy night where he went to bed at nine. Yeah. But he ha- still has never gotten up when it was dark because even during the winter in the places oh, he was yeah. living, it's been getting dark at six and a half, six. Oh, and you would never totally threw him off. Yeah, and you could never yeah. sleep in that late, no matter how drunk you were the night before. He should get a um, a daylight lamp for his bedroom while he's here. Yeah, yeah. Because like that, that actually genuinely makes people really depressed. Yeah, yeah. It messes with you. It happened to me a couple of years ago. I was working in a shopping center. I was working in a camera shop in a shopping center, and for all of winter, I didn't see daylight because I left in the morning when it was still dark to go to work. I got on a bus at like half seven every morning and I got on a bus home every evening at yeah, about half seven. Yeah, yeah, and I was inside there. a shopping center the whole time. So I never saw daylight for like four months. It was so weird. And I was under these uh, like shop lights and stuff. It was really 
it's like it messes with your head yeah. in ways you don't even realize i always had that actually. and i'm a very outdoorsy person yeah and it really fucks me up <laughs> when <laughs> I we were didn't in, like it at all when we were in college we got off pretty early most days like remember we'd have a really early day monday yeah, or yeah. normal tuesday or whatever but then on thursday which and we didn't do fridays or whatever yeah we got out at like half five so yeah. like you had all the days where you still got out but you still had it during winter you still had an hour or two of light and then there was yeah. one random day in the week where you were going to college at dark and you're coming out at dark yeah and it really messed with you and that's just one day and that kind of throws you off kilter because you've had a, three days where you weren't and one day where you were mm-hmm. but yeah it's like it's, yeah, it's it always really... like a shortened version of it is when you go to the cinema and then you when you come out it's night time <laughs> And it's really off-putting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I always find that so off-putting. You're like, oh. And it's like pitch black, like yeah, dark, yeah. dark. And, uh, I always find that the really surreal. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, sorry. <laughs> that was a nice little tangent. No, but I think um, that's... Because like, that's definitely relevant. It would it'd mess up your body clock a lot. Yeah. I think. And um, like when you think of like you have all those... It just utter other weird psychological conditions of living on another planet it's just like that actually does sound having that extra 40 minutes like i can imagine that's bad enough anyway but that on top of all the other things you're going through like that can just really mess with you it's just another like turn of the screw in your yeah in your mental health like um i suppose the big the big thing he faces is no sorry before i get that I just finished the point Will I was you, trying to get to, okay. which was the, I was asking how long the mission was that they were there because of the supplies they had with them specifically. They had all this like freeze dried food and those vacuum sealed potatoes and things like that. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking about it like that's, if we were going to send people to Mars, their mission would probably be more than 30 days, which is what their mission was in. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, well, just for because like the I'm not sure it's not really mentioned in the film, but yeah. the book set as far as I remember the book is set in 2055. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, that I far think, ahead. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I should I'll double check that, but I think so. Yeah. The, and the film, yeah, well, the film is just it's the near future. Yeah, yeah. In the book, it's they a do bit they more do really ex- well in the film with the technology and how it would um that it's it is a really good just slightly more evolved technology than what we have. Um, oh wait, no, it's, it's the year 2035 actually. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so it's like 20 years away. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that far. <laughs> um, which I would see is realistic. I would think there'd be more people on Mars in 20 years' time. Yeah, well, sorry, my only point for that, like, so obviously, like, there have been, they've been doing these missions for a while, you'd imagine, like, they maybe start like us in 2025, so it's 10 years yeah, yeah. into... So they might be doing, you know, if Small, they Small, short ones. Yeah. yeah, I suppose. Um, no, just because one of the things I did in research there was the modern... I was, I, was, I mentioned the biosphere. Or it's biosphere mm. 2, which was that mission they did on Earth in the late 80s, early 90s. I think it was 91. They actually put people in it for two years. And oh, yeah, it was the yeah. giant greenhouse they built. Yeah. And I, I watched a TED talk with one of the scientists who was in it. And... She she explained it as being very positive, and then I watched a little documentary about it. And apparently, it was a fucking disaster. <laughs> the whole thing was like, because um, we were only kids when that happened. Like, um, I always remember the Pauly Shore movie, The Biodome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More so, I don't I don't remember the real thing. Like, <laughs> um, but anyway, the one of the huge 
things like they discovered so much about how little they actually knew about the earth and growing food and how the atmosphere worked because they made it completely isolated from the outside world and the idea being that they live in there for two years but what the huge problem with they were losing oxygen really quickly and their oxygen levels went like the normal oxygen levels is about 21 percent, and theirs went down below 14 and they were losing tons and tons of oxygen and they couldn't figure it out and they thought it was like because they had all these plants growing they had a mini rainforest they had uh, water they had everything like they had a mini ocean the whole lot in it they had a mini desert they had livestock animals um and they had a was they'd had a half acre to grow all their food on and they grew crops and one of the main crops they grew was sweet potato as opposed to normal potato yeah. but another root vegetable very similar and the of course the plants suck in uh, carbon and let out oxygen now plants do also need a lot of oxygen but it's there's a deficit and stuff it's good but they couldn't figure out for ages and they ended up having to pump in oxygen into the dome or the biosphere uh, to stop them from dying essentially to keep it going and the one of the huge issues was they couldn't figure out where the oxygen was going and they did loads of tests and tried different things and they um used different ways of composting to with the biomatter to try and contain yeah, the, yeah. the uh the uh, the o2 and all that kind of then or the co2 and all that kind of stuff it was all the whole thing they just couldn't get it to work and eventually they discovered it was they built all these um rock structures and stuff and the concrete rock had soaked up all the oxygen that's what it was uh, but they just never thought of it yeah as a yeah yeah um so yeah that's crazy but that was one so, thing i was thinking about on the mars mission he never ever in the film anyway he never has an issue with oxygen in the in habitat the- and i was kind of thinking about it then in that sense like he brings in all this soil and stuff wouldn't that affect his oxygen levels and things like that and then what were they using to generate oxygen and stuff in they, ne- they never really go into it that much yeah did they do actually in the in, book in the but book, n- yeah. but then it's like it's one of those things where i read over it just being like well that seems like logical science yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna because i don't i just can't i couldn't actually explain it to you yeah yeah i would think they'd have like a room with a bath of like algae or something <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, things like that. but then i what but then part of watching the stuff looking into stuff about the biosphere uh there was this really cool experiment that's now been done um with what they're doing now with the biosphere is it's a earth science um uh, not museum an earth science lab the whole thing so they now use it to test loads of different things to learn about our atmosphere and things like that but one of the things uh students are doing in arizona um is they've developed a hydroponics system and it's this like container it's like a greenhouse yeah but it's about the size of like a big oil tank that you'd have at the back of your house or like a, a van your normal van a bit of a normal van and they've developed that you within that van you can or the dome you can grow all your food dispose of all your waste and produce all the oxygen you'll ever need for one person in th- that size okay I was like that's amazing so that's what they could potentially do on Mars missions and things like that. Yeah. Um, I was actually, I was going to Google it and just as you were talking, I remembered it. 
and I, I don't, I can't remember now if it's in the film. Like, there's a machine, the because uh, when he goes, when he goes looking for the rover and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Does he bring? Does he? What does he do for? In the he film? just has his suit. Oh, he uses the heating. That's he needs the heating, so he pulls up the reactor for the heating. Okay, yeah, because there's a machine, and I think it's just called like the. I think, I wanted to say it's called the the oxygenator, but that doesn't sound no, right. No, 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 no. Um, that sounds like such a. That sounds like too sci-fi, too like, pseudoscience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's it, and I think he—that's what uh, produces the oxygen, and it's explained how it works. I just wanted oh, yeah, yeah. to tell you how it's explained, and it sounds fine. It, it sounds plausible. I'm yeah. sure it's actually something they're working on. Like, yeah, yeah. and he brings that with him. Oh, like okay, he he yeah, takes yeah. that from the hab and puts it for the rover. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, sorry, just yeah, no, no, that's, that's, but that's but, not in the film because. This no, is, they the they book. do the thing with the heating in the film, but they never really reference. But he does this weird thing. He does this thing in the film that they don't really explain that well, where he drills a hole in the top of the rover oh, and then it? balloons it up. But then they don't really say why he does that. Well, that's, yeah, in the book, he does that so as he can bring the mach- this machine with him. Maybe do they just do it in the film and take it for granted that you'll guess what, where he's getting... Yeah, it has something to do with giving him... A bigger room to rotate yeah. his air, but they don't really explain much more than that. Okay, um, it's funny because I'm I, like I'm doing I, the books written like the films. Obviously, there's more to the book, but it's a really good adaption. Like there's not yeah, much yeah. No, I've missing, that, yeah. and the books even written written very like it's very cinematic and just yeah, it's like yeah. No Country. It's like the McCarthy book, No Country for Old Men. It's oh, really yeah. hard watching the film. The book is a normal average size book. has to be about eight hours reading time. The film yeah. is two hours. And I, I, I've seen, I've read the book twice. I've seen the film about ten times. I still don't know what's in the film that's not in the book. <laughs> like, yeah, you know? yeah. You can't, you can't pull, yeah, pull it yeah, out. Yeah, but like, there's yeah, obviously yeah. loads. But... Yeah, yeah. Because as well, like in, in the very simple thing is, I'm always explaining this to people, especially my wife, whenever we see a film and it's adapted from a book, uh, we watched some film recently and she was like really annoyed like she'd read the book and she was like oh they left this out and they left that out and I was like yeah but you have to understand there's such different mediums that a film has to have beats of where things happen and there's a structure so you got to adapt stuff around yeah. that and all that kind of and, and not uh, even a lot that, of people don't understand that not even that but like the two fundamental differences that will never change because they can't really is the books are about what people feel and think yeah. and films are about what people say and do yeah and it's and you can't and you're never much, going as much to. voiceover as you want to put into a film. It's just it becomes. You might as well just read the book then. You know, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah, it's yeah. not as entertaining. It's not as interesting. Well, it's like in in a film, it's always show don't tell. Yeah, and there's not really a phrase like that for books. But if a, if a book started like showing you stuff and just not telling you anything, yeah, it wouldn't be very good. <laughs> like you no, it's bad it's, writing then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stevens. Anyway, um. Harry Potter fans really hate it. Like, the films. Yeah, well, not they hate the films, but like Harry Potter fans are constantly giving out what was left out of the yeah, yeah. films. And it's like, well, have you, you seen the size of those books? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do you want like 26 yeah. hour movies? Yeah. And another, do you want a two yes, hour so. Quidditch scene? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a really good way to put it. No, yeah, they're, they're, I, I think that's really the main challenge is the. He overcomes the heating with pulling up the reactor. And then wrapping it in like uh, space blankets and having mm. it beside him in the rover, and yeah, stuff like that. yeah, yeah. And the auction is kind of taken care of. Uh, would you survive? Uh, well, 
I think we know neither of us actually would. No. <laughs> but he, see, he requires, in the book, isn't it? He is the, He's two degrees. He's a botanist and an engineer. Yeah. So yeah. he just happens to have the perfect skills needed to survive that scenario. And that's yeah, why he survives. Yeah. And and they even pointed out, like, in the film, and I'm sure they do in the book, that, like, very, there's not many people on the, any of the missions who could have survived the way he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he just yeah, happened he, had, to, he just happened to have the right skill. Bas- set, basically, like. yeah, yeah. The, well, that's the thing. Like his character is quite. I think if that was another film, or if like say that film was about a group of them being stuck on Mars, yeah, his character would be really annoying and a dickhead because he's really like he's kind of he's kind of annoying. Like he's yeah. a bit like full of himself and stuff. But I think that's what's great about the film and the book because he's on his own. You kind of have to love him. Like, yeah, and he's yeah. doing it to entertain himself. But if he was doing all the stuff and saying all those things to other people, he'd kind of seem like a bit of an asshat. Yeah. But, <laughs> but he comes across really likable because he's on his own. I think that's by yeah. design. Like, I think that's really oh, totally. clever yeah, writing. If, if he was left with other people, that'd really get on your nerves. Oh, you, yeah, you'd be driven mad. Because yeah. he'd just be like, I know how to do this. Yeah. I know how we can get out of this. And everyone would just be like, <sighs> one of my favorite lines in the book. And the same scene is in the film, but when it cuts back to him, it's different. Because the book's written from his point of view, like his, like the way he does yeah. the journal entries in the film. And it starts like that, and the first few chapters are like that, and then it switches to the third person when it goes back to Earth, to them. Yeah. And like, it was good, like reading the book, you don't even, I expect the book's just going to be told in diary form. Like everything, soul one, soul whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it's not until the point it cuts that they get his signal that you switches to third person but there's a great um scene not scene but anyway uh where the guys over nasa they're talking they're just like they're actually like looking up at mars and they're just talking about him they're like can you imagine like what must be what must he be feeling he's there by himself oh like, yeah, you know, yeah. And, like what must be going through his head and then the next then it's his next diary entry and he's like aquaman can talk to fish why the hell can he control dolphins they're mammals for christ's sake that's just a great <laughs> yeah. I think to do the similar scene to just the cut back he does something else in the, yeah because yeah. it works better again it's a film that's him talking about Aquaman just wouldn't have been funny on screen yeah it yeah. reads funny in a book but this is the mad shit that goes through your yeah, head yeah. <laughs> but and that's it like I think that because I like that yeah that how he entertains himself and stuff they're my favorite parts in the book yeah and how annoyed he gets and that's all in the book as well the fact he only oh, has yeah. disco music and oh yeah whatever sitcom he had he's watched like that's he really hates this sitcom but ran for 17 years so it's the best thing to watch so and then <laughs> and he talks about like he talks about becoming a fan of it and hating himself for it like because oh, right. he's watched like a hundred hours of it so <laughs> he's just how can you not acquire like he's acquired a taste for I can't remember what sitcom it even is. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same one in the No, he, film he or... doesn't really reference TV that much. Um, At one point he's watching something, and I'm trying to remember what it is. Yeah, but, uh... it is whatever he's watched, but of course, yeah, they're not going to focus too much on that yeah, in the yeah. film. It'd be a waste of time, but whatever he's watching in the film, that is what he has in the book, and he just... it's so much more time spent on it in the book oh, really? <laughs> the book's very yeah it's got like it's uh, there's a lot of pop culture references and stuff yeah throughout it too no that's cool um but i think that's it i think the loan like we talked about like in our fallout episode about living in a bunker and how you could handle it like, oh if you had video we were saying the best thing is video games yeah, it's time yeah. consuming um 
guess you don't get as much of that on Mars because you've got there's there's work to be done. That's it. Like there's this shit from to do. Um, but can you imagine like the idea of it? You being alone in the bunker is bad enough. But imagine being alone that far. Like you're the furthest. Oh. You're the furthest from home anybody has ever been, and you're yeah. on your own. Like surviving it, yeah. that is is that's already. Yeah, I guess actually having shit go wrong is probably a good thing. I I like the whole thing where they bring it in that uh, Mars is technically under maritime law, so he's technically a pirate and all this. That's hilarious. That is so funny. Um, and the way they cut it because he's like, and technically I'm a pirate, and then it cuts back to like the guys at NASA and one of them's explaining it to another one, and they're like, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just like totally shooting them down but like uh, yeah that point where he says that the guys in nasa told him that once you plant crops somewhere you've tech you've, t- you've colonized, colonized it, it. so yeah, he's yeah. colonized so he's areas. a martian yeah yeah, yeah. um it's good such a good film because <laughs> the and that's because like you've heard isn't it oh overview effect that's what like the change in like a cognitive shift in your viewpoint the astronaut for the astronauts have when they go to space just from oh, like right. seeing earth from space for the first time oh yeah that it has like a profound thing yeah yeah, effect yeah on you psychologically like right? yeah, yeah yeah that i don't know if it's like not quite like gulf war syndrome or anything no but it's but it changes them like and yeah you're never the same after yeah yeah, yeah. and like just with the like you imagine you you've got that you've got this overview effect um, and I don't, not that he's fucking looking at Earth from Mars or anything, but he's on another planet. <laughs> yeah. And then you have the extra 40 days and uh, th- like all this stuff, like yeah. you just uh, imagine how much that, that fucks with you. Like to give, give you an idea of the overview effect, actually go and do it uh, to the audience, not you. Um, you can look at the moment, you can look at the pictures that, um, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the big rover that's on Mars at the moment. Um, oh yeah! Again, this is the one we even talked about in our other podcast. Yeah, um, I couldn't think I of it think earlier. It's about the size of a car. It's a big one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it has the scientists. I was watching this cool thing about it. How the scientists control it is it's like a video game, and they do it with three D glasses because it has a left eye and a right eye, and it sees in three D. And what they do with it is they, because of the delay, of signal delay what they do is they play it like a video game mm. and then send that to it and then it goes and do, does those yeah, movements. Yeah. So they look through the eyes and go, oh, what's over there? Let's go over to that rock over there, pick it up, do this to it and then they go, send and then the rover goes and does that and that's how they control it. It's the Which, exploration rover is the one, is it? I think. Well, that's the one with the pe- with the I was on about with the Lincoln Penny anyway. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. But I think that's the same one. Yeah, anyway. I'm not too sure. But... Uh, one of the cool things is they all the live photographs it takes they upload to I think it's like NASA for slash Mars dot yeah, gov yeah. or something and you can look at the photos and there are these really high quality photos and if you just sit and look at those photos for a while it is just one of those things you're like this is photos of another planet and it is so it's just amazing like when you think about it it's not anywhere here yeah yeah <laughs> It's it's so overwhelming in a little way. Like uh, yeah, I think it's yeah. incredible. It gives you a slight. Imagine what he, that feeling must be for him that he's there. Yeah, yeah. And then, as you're saying, even to just be on the space station looking at Earth, like I, I can't imagine what that feels like. Yeah, 
that of course that has an effect on it. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you, you, but just, just like it's essentially a sin. Like, like when they the overview effect is almost like a syndrome you get yeah. like from seeing how insignificant uh, the world you just came from is. Yeah. Uh, when also, you get home, do you think you just start killing people? <laughs> so i was wondering how long it would take you to go that to go dark again yeah, yeah a yeah. film where there's no bad guys no one, <laughs> nobody murdering anyone and then you get home and you're like i've seen things man it's the sequel <laughs> the just actually when you mentioned about seeing mars that's just the film itself uh i love that mars looks like mars in it even though i've never been to mars and i've only seen pictures but yeah it looks like a, an alien planet the last mars movie i saw was last days on mars okay which is directed by an irish director um it's a really shit film it's a shit film okay but the worst part in it and i'm sure it was probably shot in the exact same place that the martian was shot it's that one specific de- re- actual red desert we have yeah. i can't think of the name of it yeah but it just doesn't look like mars cuz it's just it's just shot poor not shot poorly like it's technically fine but it's just there's it's just the most it's just not adventurous in how it's shot i guess oh, okay, yeah, it just yeah. doesn't like mars it looks like oh they're in a desert on earth somewhere they don't try and mars. use the yeah um, they don't let the landscape escape speak for itself yeah, and i can't really tell you what like i won't be able to do it but neither were the people that shot last days on mars didn't either but yeah. they did with the martian i'm oh, yeah. sure there's well, a lot. They, well this, they did a combination of real landscapes of and cgi yeah, which yeah. is well, the way to do it well there's mars. that in last days on mars too it's just not done well it's just like they didn't try they just weren't focused on that they were about making like a sort of a horror movie on mars and they had a oh, good yeah. budget and all that whereas the martian made like the film's called the martian they they really emphasized the landscape yeah. as a character like oh big time um i just appreciated that also last days on mars really should have been called last soul on mars they keep referring about being their last day and all that and that they're leaving the mission soul. yeah because <laughs> it's not a day yeah an astronaut won't be caught and astronauts would did speak they've been there and in that they're meant to have been there for like a year or something oh right okay so they've really climatized to the terminology you'd imagine and yeah the, yeah <laughs> I, i'm curious actually because i think it could be directed by somebody we talked about on this podcast before an Irish director? Yeah, because I think it could have been the guy that directed that, uh, Blinky. Oh, yeah. I think I could be wrong. Might be, well, he's an animator. Well, the, there's an anim- Well, there's a direct... Uh, somebody directed that. There's the, there's a team, there's an animator oh, so, yeah, and yeah, a director. Yeah, 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 there's a guy who's um, created... He created that really cool short film, the one with the kind of like yeah, whale hunting... Rory, uh, Rory Robinson. Yeah. Um, yeah, he directed Blinky and he directed... The last days on Mars. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> no, but it wasn't all that good. Um, no, yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, cause all the other stuff he survives, like he survives it by just being a badass. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The food was the big thing. I think that was the growing the plants was the huge thing. I was thinking about because it's something that's feasible, but is it? Not? So we wanted to kind of look into that a lot. And the give you what I I have to say because it's really funny. When I was looking into the because I thought the best comparison to it in reality was the biosphere 2 and yeah. if you're wondering biosphere 1 is earth yeah you didn't yeah. know that I, yeah um but good thing you uh, said anyway yeah and uh, so in biosphere 2 right their first one two year mission they did um i think it was eight people yeah four men four women and apart from the whole oxygen disaster thing 
they had loads of problems with um management on the outside like trying to make decisions and all this kind of stuff the huge thing and they broke up into two factions and had like a whole like people being shitty to each other kind of thing which is what we were i can't remember we talked about that on mic or off mic earlier um earlier like, today yeah before we, i can't oh. remember if we said it on mic or if it was before we started recording and we were talking about how in all the astronauts oh in that was the martian yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the astronauts in the martian are, are all astronauts they're not um there's not like the douchey guy who tries to open an airlock because he can't breathe you know there's yeah, no, yeah. Like, oh and that's sorry, the last like, days on mars there's loads of that yeah like yeah. there's the guy who leaves somebody behind and closes off a room and locks the, you know all of that yeah, yeah. an astronaut and, uh, would pe- never people do. who are clearly just not trained and who haven't gone through enough psych evals or anything like that yeah, yeah and they seem to suffer a lot of that with uh biosphere 2 and so that these eight people just hated each other and stuff and then they did about a year later after that like because they did the full two years in there um i watched the ted talk with your one it was really fun she's like i was in there for two years and 20 minutes it was like <laughs> her thing and um but they did another mission and it only lasted six months because two of them went mad and started wrecking the place and destroyed like loads of the atmospheric controls and stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> i was like that's crazy <laughs> people just went loopy like because they were all just scientists they were botanists and um you know biologists and psychologists yeah. but none of them were trained to be in that scenario yeah, well, they, hadn't they were trained to acclimatize go... to doing those things like they, were, they were trained to do the actual work the research and grow the crops and run experiments and test the water and all that kind of stuff but they weren't trained to deal with the whole scenario yeah and yeah. that's what went wrong and so i just find that really funny yeah, yeah. um there were a fascinating one was your the girl i have her name here on my notes um but she explained one of the things she found really bizarre when she when they came out was because they were in there for two years and it was a control it was a jane uh pointer she was in it that's who it is um and she was explaining i thought it was one of the most fascinating things because they were such a controlled environment they couldn't bring in any chemicals so they didn't use any perfumes or deodorants or hairsprays or any of that like they washed yeah but they didn't use any chemicals to wash yeah, or anything yeah. that they literally washed in water you know and because it was all the sensitive so all their water was reused and put through the rainforest and all that kind of stuff. so there's no chemicals at all she said the first thing they all noticed when they came out was they thought people smelt terrible yeah and like first thing her family came and gave her a big hug and she said she nearly vomited from just like the smell of all the chemicals off people yeah i was like that's mental that's crazy like i wouldn't have thought something um so but uh, he does reference in the in martian he references that he must when they when they rescue him yeah um, and he's just like i must stink i haven't shared for two years (laughs) i imagine he must have been so ripe (laughs) that's actually talking about his rescue as well like even with how, you know how how well he done surviving by himself on mars yeah really shows what uh, a diet of potatoes does to a man well that's the thing is they're not i meant to look up the nutritional breakdown of potatoes but i mean there is protein in potatoes there's plenty of starch and carbs um but they're not enough to yeah, keep you going yeah. like and that's uh yeah 
Well, a, a really easy thing to grow would be beans. Actually, are full of protein. So, would have been better off grown off beans. They have more amino acids and so on. But I'm, obviously, he only had potatoes to grow. I'm going to ask you a question. It's a question I have written down here on my notes. And yeah. I should also point out it's the only thing I've got a fo- I've got a document <laughs> called the Martian episode question for Shane and I've got this <laughs> question and that's it because I like I was there was a reason we had no episode last week oh yeah um so yeah I, I didn't do any research on this as you can all tell in retrospect though yeah if the, all this happened to you what one thing yeah if you know they had prepared more for had more of it stocked on the mission or whatever but one thing would you if you're in his per- predicament would you have liked to have been planned for oh right okay so of supplies and stuff that Either you, could, a supply, you could have potentially had yeah now just one like if you had to pick like what's one that you just oh man because i know mine are you saying in like so his was probably the potatoes do you think yeah, well or... it can be anything could be like... anything like, so, even if it's, like, one thing, like, maybe, I don't know, other than something other than disco music. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to um, Would that be yours? Um, I would bring a shitload of podcasts. Okay. Mine was... Because uh, then you're listening to actually people talking. Yeah. That's, rather than just that's, music. And yeah. it would be a lot less claustrophobic, not the word I'm looking for. You'd feel a lot less lonely. Yeah, yeah. Because I get like that even listening to, to podcasts now. Like you feel lonely? No, I feel I I feel less lonely because I don't have yeah, enough yeah. friends in real life. So well, that's fair. Um, <laughs> I usually just listen to our own, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and re-say your own lines again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mine is ketchup. Oh yeah, he did, he Much, runs out of ketchup yeah. really quickly, doesn't he? Yeah, and you've seen I've we've eaten together. I use a fuck ton of ketchup. Like I hate ketchup. Oh. How yeah, are we like, even friends? Like, you like fucking know. bourbons and you don't like ketchup? Uh, yeah, I know. I, um, I used to like it as a kid, but it's, I just really went off it in the last, like, ten years. Oh, yeah, because any time I'm in your house, it's like, so, oh, do you have any ketchup? And you're always like, oh, I don't know. But I assume Katie is a, eats it because you, yeah, you yeah. always have some. Yeah. But you're I, never sure if there I'd is fair, any. I prefer barbecue sauce. Yeah, like I would manage if it was barbecue sauce there's yeah. some sauce even if I dip potato in mayonnaise like but uh, I, <laughs> I, hate, I hate mayonnaise mayonnaise oh, yeah. is, I mean I think, I think the one thing I like I will eat anything absolutely anything as long as there's no mayonnaise on it I do remember I bought you a chicken roll once and I because I forgot I always thought I knew there was one because like that's oh butter and mayonnaise and I was like there's one thing she, I don't because I wasn't sure if you had because I won't have butter but I have a bit of mayonnaise and oh yeah yeah and you were just like you were starving and I was like oh I got your roll and you're like oh cool what's on it and I was like uh, not much just chicken and I, and I was like I didn't get butter just mayonnaise and you're like you looked at me I've had so many meals ruined like, it's fair enough to be fair like I don't really like mayonnaise it's just a bit of moisture on a sandwich oh, yeah. like if I get too much of it, I yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like you where I throw it away. I'd try and eat it, but I'd, and I get halfway through. Yeah, like I'd, I'd have to scrape it off and yeah. stuff. Like I'd, oh, no, yeah. That would be the worst thing is, like I, I like okay, yeah, I'm in his position, and I've loads of potatoes, and I'm like, I need to eat something else with these potatoes. And if there was ketchup, I would, I would use the ketchup. Yeah, yeah, because but just... if it was mayonnaise, 
I think I just cry. <laughs> I would just be like, there's the only condiment here is mayonnaise. And I would probably, just for something different to taste, I would probably eat some mayonnaise, but it, mm. I wouldn't enjoy it. I'd just be like, oh, yeah. Ugh. Just for something different. I can eat most things once there's ketchup on it. Like, I can eat oh, things yeah. I don't particularly like once yeah. there's ketchup on them. Like, so I think I could manage <laughs> eating potatoes <laughs> once there's ketchup. I could eat potatoes for two years once I had loads and loads of ketchup. I could eat potatoes once for I two ran, years. Once I ran out of ketchup, though. What's it he starts dipping when he runs out? Um, in, oh, it's a... It's, it's not. Sh- it's not. It's not Ritalin. No. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but it is. Yeah. Uh, Vicodin. Yeah, yeah. Vicodin's painkillers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. He cr- he crumbles up Vicodin yeah. and he's just like, I've run out of ketchup. Yeah. So yours yours would be more ketchup. You'd bring yeah, more ketchup just because that's also just the fact it's even something from from the book. I think I think the one thing that would ruin me is he only has one way of cooking the potatoes, which is yeah. in a microwave. Microwave. Yeah. You can't because and yeah. which has to be the worst way to cook potatoes because mm. you end up with these kind of like steamed sort of so- dry and soggy it, it, it somehow dry they, and so- they, yeah they kind of go gooey yeah the fact and, that it's uh, dry and soggy at the I same never time. microwave anything I have a microwave in my house and I never use it I've um, often like been you know late at night near like you have like meat you, you've got a, everything for a dinner but you don't have potatoes so I've gotten those microwavable bag ones oh yeah and like yeah they're not very good yeah and the, that's what would kill me, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because actually, like... Because like you had a hot plate, because you can't have a live flame Yeah, in the hab. But even if you had a hot plate, and you could, like, fry them, you could boil them, you could... You could just be slightly... Great. So you could have mashed potato one day, you could have chips another day, mm. you could have fried potatoes another... Yeah, you could, you could mix it up a little bit, you know? Where he just has to microwave these gooey potatoes. Yeah. Every, oh, it would kill me. Uh, the only thing I microwave actually is beans. Yeah, I don't really microwave much. Period. Yeah. But apart from reheat and stuff, but no, I never do. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that would be the killer. Drive me mental. Yeah. Is, is this okay. the thing that always comes back to? Is I love food so much, <laughs> and uh, any survival situation it would just depress me so much not being able to cook my own which uh, is food, my own way. what time are we at um 126 is that a good place to leave it for next week because next week we're talking about preparing for disaster uh definitely i think so and that answers that question <laughs> <laughs> so um, wait before we wrap up though so martian chances of survival out of 10 not that we ever actually with rate, my current but... set of knowledge i could definitely grow the plants i could grow the potatoes but there's no way i could figure out a way to communicate with earth yeah there's no way i could adapt the rover i would struggle a lot to figure out a way <laughs> to make water the way he yeah, does yeah. i don't yeah I'd, I'd maybe kill myself after eating microwave <laughs> potatoes for a year <laughs> yeah i think i once i run out of ketchup i'm done for once once I realised, yeah, because I can't... Let me run out of oxygen, but please yeah. not ketchup. Yeah. The, th- the com- figuring out communications would be something for me. Like, I wouldn't... I don't know enough engineering to do anything like that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know I'd you're be, on your... Like, I'd be writing SOS <laughs> in yeah, the yeah, ground, yeah. thinking, well, this might work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I think I could survive if I was with McLaughlin. <laughs> and that's yeah. it. Like, as in, he'd just do all the shit and I'd, like, help him carry stuff. And that's all. <laughs> like, I would just make it a bit easier on him. Um, well, if you had the but engineering... But then he'd, he'd you... have to feed me, so... Yeah, if it was the two of us, right, we then instantly have half the amount of food. Let's Half the amount of the food and, like, a 20th the amount of skills. Yeah. But even if you had the engineering skills to do the engineering side of stuff... But I don't, actually. That was just into my fantasy I know, world, yeah, yeah. But that, that's the only way we'd survive, yeah, is yeah. you'd be the engineer and I'd be the botanist, mm. and we'd survive that way. Yeah. I think, like, in the scenario, like, say it was, it's us with Mark, <laughs> with Mark on it. That has to be the only way to do it. Yeah, yeah. But then I'd say we were talking about how the... Like, we were talking before, it's come on how the film's great, because there's no villains, and nobody goes crazy, and NASA are about helping them, there's no guide. It's like, oh, it's cost yeah, too yeah. much money, and they... Blah, blah, blah. In the version where me and you... Are there with Mark? With him, he kills us both. <laughs> Does he end up, like painting his face with our blood going now it's a red no, planet i don't think no. he even goes crazy i think it's like it's it, really calculated and cold <laughs> I don't even cal- no no i don't even think calculated and cold it's like a completely necessary step he has to take because we would end up killing him just by being too much of a drain because <laughs> like, we take like all of a sudden he has one third of the amount of supplies and all we can really do we can help him a bit you can help him a bit more he'd, he'd kill me first <laughs> but, because I'd be of no real use because I, I I I don't I you, I you at least farm under, a little you yeah you could at least do some of the farming um I'd be able to do like the ma- manual labor stuff on the farm but not actually be in any way beneficial to yeah planning it and or, it, and I think the best way he could do it is it'd be the nicest and you would never know right is he would be like he would he would build some contraption that looks really impressive, but does nothing, right? And he would just go, Johnny, take this. See that mountain up there? I need it to be put up on that mountain. Yeah, we need and, you're like, and you're like, yes, sir, Mr. Watney, sir. And you go, take it up there. But he's calculated that the walk there and back, you'd run out of air before you got back. Uh, yeah. And that's how he does it. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, he does the same thing to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gives you just a little longer to see that you prove yourself to be yeah. more useful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's how it goes down. Yeah. Well, not even in kind of weird way. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll kill them and then I'll eat their meat or anything. Like, nothing like that. Like, he's just totally like, yeah. for me to survive, these useless bastards have to die. <laughs> <laughs> or the other thing is, like, because the thing is, Mark Watney's character seems very nice. That he Like, he probably wouldn't actually do it. So he'd be like, Oh, sacrifice fine. himself I'll, yeah and then he just ends up being the one that dies and then we're left and we both die anyway or he yeah, dies like, a, we just die six or he later. dies like us all before they arrive and we're rescued and we're the heroes for surviving <laughs> on Mars <laughs> but only because he sac- he ended up killing them he just like broke his back doing all this work so much that he ended up being the one that dies and we're oh, like yeah. come back heroes so I think that's it we <laughs> once, ag- once again we've We've worked it that we survived the Martian. Yeah. <laughs> There's always a workaround. Yeah. And we become celebrities uh, when we go back. Yeah. We've <laughs> those guys that won the Hunger Games two years in a row and <laughs> survived on Mars. But they're all us in alternate movie yeah, universes. Yeah. It's not like we're the same people. But anyway. Well no, but in this one at least it, it kind of works. Yeah. So we survived Mars? I think not just to say we did yeah yeah 
and, and you turn around to scientist and nasty and you're like oh here's your uh, Lincoln penny back and he's like no <laughs> <laughs>